Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of Parenting in Real Life. Today, we're going to the future where we have teenagers. <laughs> we're not quite there yet, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. We're not supposed to say that. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Today, we have an awesome interview, and we're excited to get to that. But before we do, as always, a little Parenting in Real Life moment. So our first, we're going to have two things to share with you today. So our first one was so cute. We were at church and Lucy was looking at a magazine or like a church magazine that I bring with us. And she pointed to the letter L and she says L, which she knows is her name starts with Lucy. And then she points to a question mark and she goes, mystery. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. It's not a question mark. It's a mystery. Mystery mark. (laughs) Did you not know that's what it's called? A mystery mark? No, I hadn't. I didn't know that. Today I learned. Speaking of today, I learned. I was showing Alan. I didn't realize that like all coats have that little loop loop below the hood to like hook things up. I thought just some did it, but like all coats do it, and all sweaters. She was today's years old when she learned that. I was, and so I was hanging up the kids' jackets and like. This looks so much nicer. <laughs> like everything hung so much more nicely. So now there I know. <laughs> Learning, we do it every day. It's growing. Growing. We I do just it every misquoted day. misquoted a Barney song. It's okay. Ooh, ouch. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> so the second thing is we finally got our kitchen back. After a month of no sink and no dishwasher, we have a kitchen and it's like I'm a new human being. It's amazing. Not only did we not have a sink, we didn't have countertops. So we just, there was just nowhere to do anything. So we had to set up a table. We set up a card table type thing and put our small appliances on it and lots of paper plates and utensils. And it was rough. My favorite thing (laughs) is that for almost the whole month, people would walk over to the pantry because that's where we kept our trash can forever. (laughs) But then we had moved our trash can. So it was kind of like just in the middle of the room because that's the only place it fit. And now that we have our trash can in our island, everybody goes over to the middle of the room where the trash cans (laughs) used to be. That's how long it was there. (laughs) It was a long time. It really was four weeks. It was long, but I'm grateful it's over. And we finally have a Our kitchen Our is not over by a long stretch. No. We still have a lot. It still looks very bad, but it's functional, and that's the most important part. So I'm hoping we'll be done in would. six weeks. That's the goal. In case you're counting. If you're we counting sure, with we us. We sure are. <laughs> we'll let you know when it's done. Hopefully six weeks from now. And now for a product that makes parenting stink less. This is a product that makes parenting stink less, where we give you our honest review on a product that we hoped would change our lives. So the product this week is one that I love. Chloe 
told us about fidget boxes. So you've heard of fidget spinners. You've probably heard of fidget cubes. Now they're just selling fidget boxes. <laughs> and I was like, Chloe, really? But for somebody who has, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I always say I have ADD hands. Like I can focus fine, but I love my hands to be doing something. So I'm like the pen clicker or whatever. <laughs> yes. This is the box for people like me. It's not just a box. There's things in the box. That's that's exactly right. It's a whole <laughs> box full of things to do with your hands. So it has those squishy things. It has a Rubik's Cube. And I thought certainly in a $20 box, the Rubik's Cube will be absolute garbage. It's my favorite Rubik's Cube I've ever seen. Really? It spins so fast. I love it. Nice. So it is amazing. We will post a link to the one Chloe got because we know that one's good. I actually loved it so much that I just got myself <laughs> one. So... We'll post that one too, but I don't know if that one's good yet because it's not here. We will have to say not every piece in there is great quality, right? Hasn't something broken already? Yeah, one of those squishy things, but partially because Chloe bit it. Oh, okay. So, so make sure you kids don't bite it because that's we had one of those before and Jack I think it. those will <laughs> pop eventually. But. but other than that, the other stuff has been good. It's and been fine. Everybody likes it. Yeah. So there Do we it. go. Fidget box. We'll do the link in the show notes. So last week we talked about going without screens and we had a comment on Instagram that I wanted to share from emerge underscore empowered. And she said that she did this with her family too. And then they had a family meeting afterwards to talk about what they learned. And I thought, Oh, that's so smart. Cause we just did it. And then we're like, we chose what to do, but it probably would have been a good idea to talk to our kids about it and ask them, how'd you feel? What'd you learn? This was an experiment for everybody. So that's a great idea. Right. <laughs> So if you decide to do no screens, then have a little family meeting after. Make and it a family experiment. See how it I feel goes. like our kids would ruin it and be like, I hated it. That's done. Because <laughs> they just want well, screens back. It's true. Because they are kind of young. So maybe if your kids are a little bit older and you do this with them, they can like yeah. really think about what happened. I think what we could have done is take little pictures or videos and like, look, this is you playing with your toys because you weren't on screen. <laughs> You'd almost have to observe it because I think after the fact they would lie. But... <laughs> In the moment, they did have good moments. That's true. And do some things they don't usually do. So I also wanted to quickly mention that, did you know that you can listen to podcasts on Spotify? It's true. And ours is on there. So it's kind of convenient and you're already listening to music and you can just flip over to the podcast too. So I know uh, Spotify is really trying to push their podcast. So if you would like to listen to our podcast, we are over there as well and you can follow us on there. If you ask Google or Alexa for Parenting in Real Life podcast, does it work? Yes, it does. <gasps> so there you, you go. Do that too. You can ask either Google or Alexa to play our Listen podcast. To every episode three times on each <laughs> of those things. That'd be fantastic. Do it. It's the right thing to do. And now for our Hot Mess Hot Minute. This is the Hot Mess Hot Minute, where we sum up our podcast episode in a minute so you can decide if this episode is worth your precious time. So as we teased earlier, we're talking about teenagers today. And it was a really helpful conversation for me, and I think Alexis, even though we don't have teenagers yet. So we chatted with Christy Davis, and she is a life coach. And she focuses on mothers and their relationships with their teenagers. I think a lot of people are life coaches nowadays. I feel like people recognize that they need more help. And yes. so I feel like a life coach is a great way to get some one-on-one -on -one help without having to actually go to like a therapist. You but know? I also feel like a lot of people say, I'm a life coach because 
there's no official credential to become a life coach. A lot of life coach coaches do get training. Like they do, sure. they get like they're certified. But life I'm just coaches. saying not all of them are, but Christy is amazing. Yeah. She has technically been certified as life coach, but yep. she also just has the know-how. She knows what she's talking about when it comes to teenagers. She has great experience because she has seven children and five of them have been teenagers. So she shared some great personal stories when we interviewed her as yeah. well, which I really liked because it's just like, okay, she knows she knows what's going on because she's had some rough times too. She talks specifically <laughs> about one of her sons that was very challenging and she handled it great, but I think it was probably in the moment very hard. But it's like, man, that's what you got to do. If you have a super hard kid, write a book about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, that's, that can get you through those hard times. Like, man, I'm learning things with you that I can teach other people because you are rough. Yep. So she talks about changing roles as parents and different parent stages. She also gives some great advice on what to do with those challenging teenagers, how to love your teens and build great relationships with them. And then all while sharing those personal experiences yep. too. So yeah. just all of it was really awesome. Yeah. Overall, I think she wants us all to come away with teenager years don't have to be the worst. Mm -hmm. You don't have to dread them. And she wants to change the way people talk about them. Like, oh, the teenagers. Like, no, you can have a lot of fun with teenagers. And teenagers are great if you can handle that change in your relationship. Yep. And now for a quick break. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. So we think you're going to love this interview with Christy Davis and whether you have teens or you're about to have teens, I think you'll, you'll still be able to learn something. So yep. here's our interview with Christy. Hello, everyone. We are so excited to welcome Christy Davis to our podcast today to get started. We'll just have her introduce herself to everybody here. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So my name is Christy Davis and just a little bit about me. I am happily married. I'm the mother of seven children and they range in age from 24 all the way down to nine. My oldest is married. And so I'm now also a mother-in-law and a grandmother venturing into that world, which is the best. So yeah, I'm on teenager number five right now. So I've been through a lot of teenagers, but still have a couple to go. I'm also a certified life coach and I specialize in family relationships. And my very favorite is coaching moms about their teenagers, parents about their teenagers, because I find there's a lot of struggle there. And so I love helping parents find more joy in those relationships with their teenagers. So that's what I do. We are really excited for this interview because we were telling Christy right before we started, our oldest is 10 and we are soon approaching these teenage years. And Alan and I both really enjoy teenagers, but I feel like it's a whole different game when it's your own kids. And so, yeah. <laughs> yep. So a little more need... pressure or something. Yes. Yeah. We need all the tips and tricks that we can get as we yeah. 
Well, it sounds like you guys already have my very first tip down, which is enjoy them and let them know that you enjoy them. Yeah. Because my, I remember my dad, like I worked in his office, he was a dentist and people would come through the office and I could hear their conversations and he would say, yeah, I have four teenagers right now or whatever the number was. And they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. And he's like, are you kidding? You're the best. I love teenagers. And I felt so proud. Yeah. Hearing my dad talk about, you know, that he liked me and he liked my friends and he liked <laughs> hanging out with us. And so I feel like that set the tone for our relationship, knowing that that's how he felt about us. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. We're going through home renovation right now. And, but the thought behind it is we're setting up in the basement, like a, a fun space for the kids. Cause we want the, the teenagers to come hang out at our house and we want totally. to get to know our kids, friends and stuff like that. Yeah be a place that people can go. I love that. He was excited that you guys are teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. And I've had some who liked to bring their friends around and hang out at our house. And some who will not, like, I still haven't met their friends because they won't (laughs) bring them anywhere near us. (laughs) (laughs) So even with the best of intentions and some pretty good, like, I think some pretty good skills, sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, they just don't want to hang out with us. All right. That's good to know too, because that's not, yep. it's not necessarily a reflection on you as a parent, right? It's, it's just, totally not. it's just what they want to do. Yeah. Because I can see how you could take that the wrong way. Like, why oh, don't yeah. you bring your friends here? <laughs> totally. Yep. Yeah. So as a preteen parent, what, what are the things that moms and parents are coming to you with when they're like at wit's end and they find you like, what? What are some of the most common problems before we dive into tips? Like what, what do you see? What kind of mistakes are people making? Okay. So I'll tell you some of the really common problems that the parents think is the problem. Yeah. What yeah. I think is the problem, right? Okay. So they think that their kids are really disrespectful, mm-hmm. that their kids are rude to them or they're mean to their siblings or they're making bad choices. They're not doing what the parents want them to do, or they're, you know, just generally so unpleasant to be around. Yeah. And so when we dig into that a little bit, what I very often find out is that the parents are nagging the kids to death and in, in an attempt, like a very well-intended attempt to teach them, they're way overdoing it. And the kids are just pushing back, trying to get some space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So what they think is going to be helpful, like they see this relationship feeling challenging. And so they overcompensate and they kind of make it worse unintentionally by just trying so hard and, and bless their hearts. They really do. They really do mean well, but they're kind yeah. of creating the opposite result of what they want. I already feel like that. <laughs> right? like, uh, I'm just like, I know that what I'm doing isn't helping, but it's like, I can't stop. Moment, it's hard, right? Yeah. yeah. You see them doing those behaviors and like, I need to fix these behaviors. Right. You know, my method is probably making it worse. And it, yeah, it seems like such a great idea, right? I want to fix this so that they don't have this problem later in life. Yeah. Like it seems like such a great thing to do, but if what it's doing is driving a wedge in that relationship and causing them to push away from their parents, it's counterproductive. Right. I heard somewhere in some parenting book that I've read somewhere along the way, he said, I think it was Glenn Latham. He said, if what you're about to do or say doesn't have a high probability of making this situation better, don't say it. Hmm. And I catch myself all the time, like close my mouth for just a minute. Okay. Is this going to make it better? 
And most of the time it's not. And so, okay, I'm just gonna wait then until I have something to say that is gonna be helpful or until I'm in a better state of mind yeah. to present this in a better way. Yeah. Mm, I love that. So what else? That's a great tip. What, what else do you tell these parents that are overcompensating? What do I do instead? Okay, so I love an analogy that I heard from a marriage and family therapist years ago. His name was Fred Jodini. And he was talking about how the role of a parent changes as our kids get older. And he used a sports analogy that I love. Mm-hmm. So when the kids are little, we're like the football coach, like the little league coach or the, you know, right. those, whatever those little leagues are that they play in when they're really young and we're out there on the field with them and we're turning them sideways and now run <laughs> this way, right? We're so involved. Yeah. And then they get a little older and we become more like maybe a high school coach who is still practicing with them and then calling the plays and then sending them out to do it. And then at some point, and this is different for every kid, but at some point we get to the point where we're the cheerleader. And so they're still in our home. We're still watching. We're aware of all the plays that are going on, Yeah. but we're not calling all of the shots. Mm-hmm. We're cheering them on, supporting them hundred percent. And then eventually they're going to move out and be on their own. And our goal is to get to where we are a spectator. We're their biggest fans. We're at all the important events and, and they know we're supporting them, but we're not in it with them anymore. And so the tricky part about that whole analogy is to figure out because it's constantly shifting. Okay. When am I the coach? When am I a cheerleader? Is it time to change that balance? And I found it's different with different kids. I had one who in college was still calling me and saying, mom, what should I do about this? Should I do this for my assignment or whatever. And I had to constantly, you know what? I have no idea. You know, way better than I do and just boost her confidence. And then I had one who literally, when he was eight years old, he told me, mom, you are just getting in the way and ruining my life. Just please let me make my own decisions. Like I'm ready to move out. He he really (laughs) believed at eight years old, he was ready to do life without me. And so With that kid, during his high school years, I was mostly a cheerleader because any attempt at coaching him was just met with so much resistance that it did more harm than good. So I did a lot of just cheerleading for that kid. So it really is different. And that's one of the tricky things about being a parent is finding that balance and trying to do it differently for every kid. Yeah. I love that. Cause I've heard be a, a coach, you know, is kind of like a, a parenting mentality, but mm-hmm. when they don't want you to be their coach, like, yep. I think that would be so hard. I'm naturally a teacher and I want to right. be teaching my kids and helping them along, but I have started to see times where I don't want you to be coaching me right now or teaching me or anything, yeah. you know? And so I'm just like, Oh, I feel like that's <laughs> one of the so hardest hard to do. <laughs> and it seems so counterintuitive. And I, I've had parents react to this before. When I say there is a such thing as too much teaching, they're like, I don't know if I believe that. I'm always a teacher. I'm never going to be done being a parent, but there really is such a thing as too much teaching. Yeah. I'll probably lean that way. Too much teaching. <laughs> so, so once you get to that point, you know, at eight years old or 20, whatever, <laughs> right? Whatever it is. Have you missed your chance? Like at that point, is it just like, they're doing no. what they're doing? Like how, how do you still wrangle, but, but be a cheerleader? Yeah. So here's the thing. Some of them will just instinctively know, hey, mom and dad might have some good advice. Some of them are going to have to wait till they crash and burn 
<laughs> and for those type of personalities, the goal is that when they do crash and burn or whenever they hit that point, because they will hit it where they're like, oh, wait, hey, I, maybe I don't know what I'm doing here. The goal is to have that relationship so well intact that you're naturally the person they want to come to. So this kid who was ready to fire me at age eight (laughs) is now a missionary. So I talked to him once a week and he said to me last week, he's like, mom, I feel so bad for all the other guys out here whose mom wasn't a life coach and didn't give them all these skills that you've given me. Like, so (laughs) somewhere along the line, he recognized that I had something to offer (laughs) (laughs) and, and I had done the work and it was hard work. This kid taught me so much, but I had done the work to where when he was ready, we had a great relationship already. We already had a really open dialogue going. And so I was the comfortable person for him to come to. Yeah. So what are some things that we can do to foster that relationship then to make sure that we are the person that our kid is turning to? Yeah. So here's something that I would highly recommend I mean and you start it young I know but it gets harder as they get older and that's learning to not take anything personally you know when they're toddlers and they're throwing a fit and they're yelling I hate you mom I mean sometimes it's a little hurtful maybe the first time but for the most part we're like "Mm, he doesn't hate me he's gonna give me a hug in five minutes when it's a teenager slamming the door and yelling I hate you mom it, it feels a lot more like it's a little bit harder to not take that personally. And so the, but the better we can get at that, the better our relationship is going to be because as soon as we go on the defensive, like how, how dare you talk to me that way after everything I've done or whatever, as soon as we get defensive, like you, you heard people say defense is the first act of war, right? Mm. So if we, get our feathers all riled up, or if we get defensive with them, then we've immediately created a conflict. Whereas even if they're really mad, and even if they think they hate us, we do have the option of staying calm and staying loving through that whole thing and allowing them to feel whatever they have to feel because teenagers have a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions and a lot of new things that they're dealing with. And so we can allow them to have that experience without adding to the drama by making it somehow about us, which is so much easier said than done. (laughs) But awareness is the first step, right? (laughs) So let's talk about those big feelings because that's the part of teenage years that I feel like we're seeing um, is those big feelings. So what do you do when you see the, I, I mean, you talked about don't, don't add to it, but how do you show that you're supporting? For example, I had a friend growing up and his mom was the best, but she was also up on all of the high school drama and was talking to all the girls and texting everybody. And like, she was in it. And yeah. you know, there were some mixed feelings about her, but, but that's how she was trying to be supportive. I think is, is being in the drama, but it definitely had some negative outcomes for her kid and some of my friends. So what's the balance? So the first place I see parents getting hung up is they think that having all those big feelings is a problem. Mm. Like it feels scary to them. Yeah. Right. And so we have to remember that nothing has gone wrong. If there's a ton of drama going on or a ton of conflict going on, or even when there's 
like right now there's some serious things going on with teenagers. There's some depression and some pretty intense anxieties and things like that. If we panic and think, oh my gosh, you're right. What are we going to do about this? Then we're no good to them. We're not able to help. What they really need is for someone who has a little bit more perspective that can say, hey, yeah, this is, this is the way life goes. Sometimes we go through stages like this and it's going to be okay. I'm going to be right here with you and we're going to figure it out. So don't worry, you won't be alone, but this is all okay. This is part of being a human and it's okay. So do you have any advice? Because all of these things are easy to say, but hard to do. So how do you get there? Like, how do you go from overreactive, take it all personal? How do you make that switch? Like you said, awareness is helpful, but then how, how do you, as you've helped people go through that transformation? Yeah, I think really awareness is so helpful. I have found it really helpful to just constantly either have a book that I'm reading or a podcast that I listen to regularly or just something so that I have that voice of awareness constantly going in my life. Sometimes it's real helpful to hire a coach. Like really, I I have seen clients come who were so stuck in their own patterns that they really didn't see it and they needed an outside perspective to help them kind of sort through some of this and realize where they were stuck. And so that can be really helpful. And maybe that's hiring a coach. Maybe that's if your best friend is super wise and can be that person for you, maybe that's sufficient, but somebody to help you stay in awareness. And I've kind of decided that the whole point of the family set up the way it is, like parenting children is pretty much for the growth and development of the parents, like kind of more than the kids, you know, they pick up some stuff from us, but really we're the ones who have to do the constant work to change ourselves, to become the kind of people we want to become. It's like a great refiner's fire. Yeah. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty intense sometimes. Kind of go back to the beginning when you talked about how we often feel like kids are they're being disrespectful and rude and like what if your teenager is a little storm cloud like what if they just are kind of causing havoc in your house and how do you I guess yeah. coach yeah. them through that or that's, that's they, legit they do do that yeah you know right so what most parents do is this is not acceptable I'm not going to let you ruin this atmosphere in our house and so right. they they act just like their teenagers are acting in an attempt to stamp out the behavior mm-hmm. right And you can never cure meanness with meanness. Mm -hmm. That's just not possible. And so you you may have heard some of the studies about how emotions are vibrational frequencies. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, but there's, there's a theory that's pretty well scientifically backed that emotions are like, you can measure the vibrational frequencies, right? Mm -hmm. And so when there are two frequencies in the room together, they like to find a balance. One of them will come into sync with the other. Maybe it's because the frequencies of the negative emotions are so much more intense. It's so easy for everybody to get sucked into that storm cloud. Mm -hmm. But what that's doing is letting the teenager then control the mood of the whole house. Mm -hmm. And really one of our main jobs as the parent is to be the one to set the tone. And to not let this little ball of chaos that might come in after school throw everybody else off. It's our job to learn how to hold our own peace and our own calm and all of that, and then model 
for our teenager instead of like we've heard the old you know i'm i'm gonna spank you if you hit how ridiculous that seems and yet we kind of do the same thing like if you can't be nice you can't be in this house whatever <laughs> we're doing the same thing yeah. so it's really our job to set the tone and then we can of course hold boundaries if there's something that's really inappropriate going on then we can ask them to be, be in their room until they can be nice or whatever boundary we set but the real secret there is to learn to do all of that while not getting sucked into their drama mm-hmm. yeah. and then and then sometimes we worry like oh but they're gonna you know be this bad influence on the other kids or they're setting a bad example or whatever it is we think they're doing when really the younger kids can learn some pretty valuable things from watching the way we interact with that teenager and the way we teach them to interact with that teenager because they're probably looking to us to be like what do i do mom when somebody's crazy like this they really need us to kind of guide them through how to allow other people to be who they're going to be since we can't control that but allow that to happen and still love them but not follow it not get sucked into it so it's actually it sometimes turns out to be a really valuable thing for all the family members that's awesome so maybe a, a last question tell us about boundaries how many boundaries can you set how do you enforce mm-hmm. boundaries in this interesting stage of like as you're transitioning yeah. out of coaching yeah so i wish that there was like a solid answer again it's so different with every kid because some kids are totally fine with boundaries and you explain it and it makes sense and you never have that issue. And then there are some kids you actually can't control anything they do. Mm -hmm. So this, this same kid that taught me all of the things, (laughs) he went through a stage where he was sneaking out like all the time. And at first I was trying to like, no, really, you cannot sneak out. I have to stop this behavior. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not stopping. Sorry. You know, I would ask him, can you, can I have your word? Because his, he took his word really seriously. So if if he told me he wouldn't do something, I knew I could trust him. So I try to get him to commit to this. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to lie. I am going to continue to sneak out. And sometimes we would catch him and then we'd give him a consequence. We caught him. I'm, I'm sure if I asked, it was such a fraction of the time, but there was a point where I was going kind of crazy, trying to figure out how to stop this behavior from happening. I was like considering getting cameras for his room. And I even suggested that like, what do I need to do? Do I have to get security cameras for your room? And he's like, that might be kind of fun. Like (laughs) he totally took it as a challenge. (laughs) And so with this kid, I came to the realization that I, I mean, he's six foot four. I cannot keep this child in the house at night. I've taught him everything I can think of to teach him. I've tried to logic with him. There's nothing more I can do. And so that was one that I had to let go. There were a lot of boundaries that I tried to set that just didn't work that I had to let go. So if, if he was doing something that was putting the household in danger or, you know, my approach may have been different, but like he was going out to Denny's with his friends in the middle of the night or whatever. So, so the answer is you can try setting boundaries and for, <laughs> for sure, try it. And if you have luck, great. Part of the thing though, that gets in parents' way is they set the boundaries, but then 
they're really upset when their child hates the boundary and throws a fit and slams the door and yells at them that you're ruining my life. Mm. And so they think, okay, something's gone wrong here. What should I do differently so that my child doesn't hate this boundary? No, that's just part of it. Mm -hmm. Like if you know in your heart that this is a boundary worth keeping, even if it's a strain on the relationship and you feel like it's that important, then you're doing your part and your child gets to choose how they feel about that boundary. Mm -hmm. They may hate it. They may push back. They may completely disregard it. We have to get really clear on which things are in our control and which ones are not. I feel like we're experiencing that a little bit right now where our oldest would like a phone and like yeah. I said, she's 10 and we are right. said no phones yet. Right. <laughs> she <laughs> hates that. And she gets so yeah. frustrated with us because all of her friends have phones. Oh yeah. You know, but I do feel very strongly that she's too young for a phone. So I'm, yeah. st- I'm sticking to that one and yeah. bring it up. So, so when it becomes a problem is when you start getting upset that she's upset, mm-hmm. right? It's totally fine for her to be upset. You can empathize with her. Like, uh, you know, I really get why you're upset. I think I would probably be upset too. I don't blame you. You're welcome to be mad at me. And just know that I wouldn't stick to this boundary if, if I didn't feel so strongly that it was for your own good. So maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But all I can do is do what I believe to be the right thing because I love you. And then I totally get it if you're going to be mad at me. That's totally fine. Yeah, I like that. I think... Like you said, I think having that conversation with them is probably an important part of it, right? It's just discussing yeah. like the boundary and this is why I'm sticking to it. Yeah. We're looking for every opportunity to, instead of thinking of ourselves facing off against them, mm-hmm. we're looking for every opportunity where we can kind of metaphorically stand next to them and say, hey, I'm looking at this the same way you are and I totally get where you're coming from. And then try to use that as a moment of connection instead of a moment of combat, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I yeah, you're like welcome. We just scratched the surface of teenagers. <laughs> There's a lot there. They're, yeah, uh, they're, they're a complicated thing sometimes. <laughs> they are. Well, how if somebody wanted to learn more from you, where could they go? Yeah, so probably the easiest place is to find me on Instagram. It's Christy Davis Coaching. And that's also my website, christydaviscoaching.com. I also have a podcast that is called Liking the People You Love. So you can listen to that anywhere where you normally listen to podcasts. So super awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for being here. We really appreciate it. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. Alexis, thanks for your great research and your amazing editing. And Alan, thanks for showing up. Happy to help. You can follow us on Instagram at Alexis Tanner Lane or find us on our website at alexistannerlane.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And as always, a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.